Hey everyone, thank you for joining me today. New Hope Radio. So glad to be with you. We're going to start a brand new series today. I'll tell you what. It's a short series, a mini one, but it is, I think it's what life is all about. It really is. If we can kind of back off from our temporal, earthly kind of thinking and delve into the spiritual, we're going to see just how important this series really is. I'm sure you've heard bits of it before, here and there, but it's it's relative to each and every human being. Oh yeah, everyone. It's bad and it's good. That's what we're going to talk about, what's bad and what's good. So the series is entitled, Sin and Salvation. I think you can figure out which one's bad, which one's good. Today is something the whole world needs to know. The origin of sin. Where did it come from? How did it start? That's what we're going to see today. Funny thing about a topic like this. It's something most people don't want to hear about. That'll tell you something right there, won't it? If most people shut it off when they hear the word sin, it tells you how deceptive it really is, how mischievous it really is. And there are people, I'll tell you what, if you shut it off, you'll be doomed by it. So just keep that in mind. If you shut off the message about sin and salvation, then you'll be doomed by it. Okay? Now think about it. Not wanting to hear about sin, that's like, not wanting to hear about the stain that's on your shirt or the spinach that's in your teeth, right? Like, don't tell me that. Well, of course you'd want to know about a stain in your shirt or spinach in your teeth, right? Well, you know what? We need to know about sin. And because the effects of sin are not only temporal, but they're eternal. If you don't deal with it, oh, there's a way out, thankfully. There's a way out. But they have eternal ramifications. Remember that. You know, a stain on your shirt is temporal. And sin is forever. Sin is the biggest problem in the human race. See, you can't deny it. Watch the news. Read the paper. Listen to people talk. The origin of all of that is sin. And you know what else it does? The worst thing? It keeps us from a relationship with God. That's what it does. So we're going to talk today about the origin of sin. Where did it come from? And when we understand where something comes from or the origin of something, it gives us a better means of dealing with it. Okay? So let's take a look at the origin of sin. Number one, in relation to God. Now, one thing about God God cannot sin. And yet, God's plan must have included the allowance of sin to enter the world. And why is that? And how do we know that? Because it includes a Savior who was slain before the foundation of the world. That's what the Apostle Peter said. He said, you know, God always knew 
even before there was sin, that sin would enter in. And Peter said, speaking about Christ, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared, that means in his humanity, in these last days, for the sake of you. So Jesus came to earth as a man to resolve the sin problem for us. That's why he came. See, sin didn't just come into the world and then, uh uh-oh, we're stuck. We're done. We're toast. We're doomed. God had a plan. Even before there was sin, God had a plan. Okay, It's like a football team. Before you get to the game, you have a plan. The teams that are good have a good plan before they get to the stadium. The teams that stink, they don't have a good plan. And they get to the stadium and then they try to figure out what they're going to do. God always knew ahead of time what he was going to do. And what he was going to do was good. So in relationship to God, sin and God can't be in the same place. Okay, God does not sin. Now, wait a minute. Number two, how about in relation to Satan? You know, that's where sin was first found. It was first found in Satan, who originally was called Lucifer. You ever hear that name, Lucifer? Oh, he became Satan. And if we go back to Ezekiel 28 and verse 15, it says that, and it was speaking about him, Lucifer, you were blameless in your ways from the day you were created. So Lucifer was created, he was an angel. As a matter of fact, he was the highest of all the angels. So you were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. By the abundance of your trade, you were internally filled with violence. So something happened inside Lucifer, and he sinned. And when he sinned, not only did he bring sin into the world, but he introduced the first sin ever committed. And you know what that was? Pride. Yeah, you thought it was something else, right? You thought it was killing or stealing. No, it was pride. Because that's the sin that was found in Lucifer. Pride is the first sin. Isaiah fourteen twelve tells us, How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning. Again, talking about Lucifer, God's anointed cherub, the highest of all the angels. And yet you've fallen from heaven. He's called the star of the morning, the son of the dawn. In other words, he had a beautiful, wonderful position in heaven. But then you have been cut down to the earth. You who have weakened the nations. And this is why. Because you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the height of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. And God said, nevertheless, you'll be thrusted to Sheol. Sheol is the underworld to the recesses of the pit. Now, what's going on here? I believe that Lucifer was not only God's anointed cherub in heaven, but I believe he he was also the God of this world. That earth was his domain as well. And he oversaw the earth. 
And being on the earth, and then seeing God, pride began to well up inside of him. And he said, I want to be like God. I'm going to rise above him. I'm going to take his place. And that's what he did. He tried to rise up. He rebelled against God. As a matter of fact, our next point, sin in relation to the angels. You know what he did? This is how deceptive the devil can be. He actually deceived one-third of God's angels to join him in the rebellion. Wow. John said in Revelation chapter 12, verse 4, his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. So what does that mean? It means that Satan in his deceptive devices, think about it, if he can deceive angels, brilliant, bright angels that have seen God, how much more can he deceive people who have not seen God? And you know what the greatest deception is? That he doesn't exist. That's the greatest deception. You know, if he can get people not to believe in him, he's one. If he can get people not to believe in God, he's one. That's it. So think of all the angels God created. How many did he create? Myriads upon myriads upon myriads. Angels without number. You can't even count them. There are so many. And yet, he deceived one-third of them. I don't know the lie he told them, but he told them something good. And you know what? They believed him, and they rebelled against Almighty God. You cannot rebel against Almighty God. No one wins against God. God is God. People might think they win in this life, But when this life comes to an end, they're going to find out, ooh, I really didn't win at all. They lost. And why do they try to fight against God? Sin. And maybe the root of every sin is pride. What do you think? Is the root of every sin pride and overestimation of self? Fifthly, Let's take a look at sin. Here comes a sneeze. I'll try to fight it back in relation to man. Because sin first originated in heaven, and then it originated in humanity on the earth. And it was in a beautiful place called the Garden of Eden. Imagine that. In a beautiful environment, there was still the act of sin. You would think a beautiful place like the Garden of Eden would be a place of contentment, fullness, satisfaction. It should have been, but I think it wasn't. In Genesis chapter 3, God placed the man and the woman in the garden, a beautiful garden, the Garden of Eden, and he instructed them they can eat from any trees of the garden, all of them. And how many were there? I don't know. But I bet it was a big garden. They could have it all. But he said, listen, there's one tree. That's my tree. I don't want you to eat from that tree. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I don't want you to eat from that tree because, you see, you're in a state of innocence. And I want you to live in a state of innocence. I don't want you to live according to good and evil. Well, what happened? The serpent 
came on the scene, who is Satan. This is after his rebellion against God, and he's on the earth. He's still the God of this world. And the serpent tempted Eve. He said, oh, eat the fruit. You'll be like God. Isn't that good? Don't you want to be like God? Yeah. Eat the fruit. She ate the fruit. See, he deceived her. That's what deception makes people think they're doing the right thing when they're doing the wrong thing. That's deception. You swear you're doing the right thing, but it's the wrong thing. That's the work of Satan. Deception. So she ate the fruit, and then she gave some to her husband, and he ate it too. And then at that moment, boom, something changed. Something changed. You know what changed? They knew that they were naked. Now, in the Garden of Eden, they didn't wear clothes. I don't know what they looked like. I don't I don't know. I, one writer said they have this aura around them, this light around them. I don't know. And they ran around naked. That's cool, too, I guess, because they were innocent. But once they ate the fruit, they, they entered into <clears throat> shame. They became ashamed and guilty. See, that's what sin does. Sin makes you ashamed and guilty, right? Did you ever see a little kid when they did something wrong? Did you do that? And what do they do? They hold their head down. A dog will do that, right? Did you ever say to your dog, what did you do? And they put their head down. Even dogs know sin, right? So they knew that they were naked. And you see, when you sin, something always changes. And when it changes, it changes for the worse. That's the thing. And by the way, don't, you know, you know why it's so deceptive? Because it's so beautiful looking. Oh yeah. Sin is appealing. Come on. Let's not be stupid. Sin is appealing. That's why we go for it. Sin looks like the right way to go. Sin looks like it's going to give me the thing that I really want. You know, it's like eating a gallon of ice cream. Oh, man, I'd love to eat a gallon. And then after you eat the gallon of ice cream, oh, I need some Haley's M.O., that pink stuff, right? (laughs) Do you ever eat too much chocolate that you're like, oh, or drink too much coffee that, oh, or eat too much chicken, and it's like, oh. Funny thing about a chicken dinner, right? When it's cooking, this is my experience. When it's cooking, oh, it smells so good, I can't wait to dig in. And then if I eat too much, the smell of it makes me sick. It's like, oh, get that away from me. Sin is like that. It's deceptive. It says, come on, have all you want. And you take all you want. And then when it's over, oh, I feel sick. Something changes for the worst. So what happened was, this act introduced two things into humanity. Number one, a sin nature. And number two, that led to acts of sin. Now, let me tell you the definition for sin, because you think sin is like, oh, if I do something bad, that's sin. Not really. And because a lot of people have the wrong understanding of sin, they think that they're good enough and they don't sin and they're okay. But no, you see, the word sin is the word hamatia. And it means to miss the mark. The mark of what? The mark of perfection. It's like shooting an arrow at a target. 
Anything that's not a bullseye is a sin. Okay? So, wherever you are not perfect, that's hamatia. That's sin. Anything less than perfection is sin. Why? See, God is perfect. God is holy. God is just. But sin has contaminated the human race. And because we're born with a sin nature, it's inherent within us. The Roman church calls it original sin. And that's true. We have an original nature of sin inside of us. And what that did, it destroyed fellowship with God. It broke off a relationship with God that we could have. And that's why now we're called lost. We're lost and we're blind and we're dead to God. That's our situation. Every person that's born into the world at that moment is lost and blind and dead to God. But you see, there's hope. Yes, yes, there's hope. The Bible tells us in Colossians 1.21, Although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, when it says alienated, that means estranged from God. That sin and the sin nature has separated us from God. But that's why God always knew that would happen. And we have Jesus Christ, the Lamb slain before the what? The world began. That Christ was already in the mind of God as our Savior before there was even sin in the world. That's the plan. But before we get to that, the penalty of sin. Again, something people don't want to hear about. The penalty of sin is dying twice. The reason we die physically is because of the sin nature. Everybody comes to that point where they take their last breath because we have a sin nature. And then sin also causes us to die spiritually. As a matter of fact, the word death is the word thanatos, and it means separation. So at physical death, we're separated, the body is separated from the spirit, At spiritual death, the spirit is separated from God. Okay? When Adam sinned, God said to him, Dying, you will die. Dying spiritually, which you just did, you're going to die physically. And 920-something years later, he died. So we die because we have a sin nature. So in Genesis 2.17, let's go back. What did God say? From the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. And the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Surely die could be translated dying. You will die. You're going to die physically and you're going to die spiritually. Okay, now, wait. The good news. There is a remedy. See, no one has to be alienated from God for eternity. There's a remedy. And what is the remedy? Jesus Christ. The one that's come under attack more than any other person in the whole world. Why? Because Satan, the deceiver, has caused people to hate the very thing that can save their soul. 
ought to become passive or indifferent to the very thing that can save their soul, Jesus Christ. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.21, He made him who knew no sin. So I could say, God the Father made him, God the Son, who knew no sin, he was perfect, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So what's he saying? He's saying that Christ took upon himself our sin, and then because he did that for us, we take upon ourselves his righteousness. And when does that take place? At the moment of faith. That's called the gospel. The gospel means good news. And the good news is, though we're lost in sin, we have a Redeemer. He took our sin and gave us His righteousness at the moment that we believed. Because you have to believe to appropriate that righteousness or that forgiveness. So, a summary of the gospel, Christ, the only entirely righteous one, when He went to Calvary, where He was nailed to the cross, he took our sin upon himself. He endured the punishment that we deserved. God was in Christ, reconciling man back to himself. And that's why Paul could say in Romans 8.1, and what a freeing scripture this really is. Therefore, there is now, that means like right now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. The word condemnation, it means an adverse sentence. See, we were guilty, right? But now we've been set free because Christ took our guilt. Jesus said in John three seventeen, God did not send the Son, he's speaking about himself, God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world but that the world might be saved through him. Why did Christ come? Not to bring the hammer. He came to shed his blood. He came to offer salvation from the judgment of sin to anybody that believes. He said, he who believes in him is not judged. Oh, wait a minute. He who does not believe has been judged already. That means because, you see, we're born judged. He's been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. doesn't say he's judged because he's a bad person, or he smokes, or swears, or drinks, or goes to jail. No, he says he's judged because he hasn't believed in Christ. He rejected Christ. That's why. So, when you accept Christ as Savior, the judgment is taken off you. It's placed on Him. Think about that. And John's not talking here about a momentary emotional belief. He's talking about a settled conviction. You know, Jesus isn't a get-out-of-jail-free card. He's a settled conviction. It's a conviction that's in your heart. And if the conviction is really in your heart, you know what? Your life is going to follow after him. So, 
John could say, and Paul could say, and a lot of the apostles could say, believe on the Lord Jesus and be saved. God does not desire that anyone would perish into eternal condemnation. That's why Christ came. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He made a perfect sacrifice of himself because he was perfect. And if you accept who he is and what he did, you can be restored back to a loving and eternal relationship with God, and in that, you will be made perfect as well. See, when we have the righteousness of Christ, we can dwell with God because that's His righteousness. You know, if you're going to live on the moon, you could have a spacesuit that adapts to the atmosphere of the moon, right? Well, if you're going to live in heaven with God, you need a spacesuit. And what is that spacesuit? Righteousness. Perfect righteousness that only Christ can give us. That's why good works always fall short. There's the satanic deception. You're good enough. Anybody that thinks they're good enough has been deceived by the accuser. You've been deceived because no one is good enough. But it's okay because Christ was good enough for you. Embrace him. Accept him. Acknowledge him. Realize that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father but through him. See, I'll tell you what, God has done it all. Yes, we were born into a bad situation, but God has done it all. He's done everything to get us out. All we have to do is accept what he offers us. He offers us forgiveness and eternal life. Here it comes through his son. Not any other way, but through his son. Not through religion, not through being good, not not through being a special kind of person, but through believing in his son. You know, once you do that, it's good to build your faith. And that's why you have the Hope Club. The Hope Club will give you the Word of God every Monday through Friday in your email box. Go to newhoperadio.live, click on the menu button, join the Hope Club. Get built up in your faith so the deceiver can't deceive you. Oh, the battle goes on. It's waging right now on the earth. Don't be a casualty. 